back to the Real Professional Podcast, the podcast where air quotes real professionals talk to non-air quotes real professionals. Uh, I've got a cool one for you today. I'm here with Justin Renard from Secret Cow Level, making the Doom Trooper card game. And uh, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing pretty good. How are you? Good. Um, yeah, I kind of had to get this one last minute. Um, I met you at PAX South, and uh, I've been wanting to bring you on to talk more about Doom Trooper, because I don't think we've had anyone on yet that has you know made a card game. So. Oh, that's exciting for me. <laughs> right? The exciting world of digital card games. Um, so, you know, Doom Trooper is an interesting one, too, because um, it's it's one of those games that uh, you see it at a convention, and it's like Doom Trooper, and then there's the Mutant Chronicles, you know, tag, because it's part of that larger universe. And I feel that Mutant Chronicles and Doom Trooper are titles that have enough name recognition that people are like, I know that, but it's not the name recognition that's like, oh, I know exactly what that is, you know? Yeah, a lot of people walk by and they recognize the art or the logo and they do they make that face, you know, like, where do I know this from? And it's, you know, 20 years ago, but uh, it's it's in the back of that brain somewhere. Yeah. So why don't you go ahead and give us a, an explanation real quick of uh, Doom Trooper and, you know, the, the card game, the universe and such. Yeah, of course. Uh, so when I was a kid, I played Doom Trooper, uh, which is a collectible card game that was a competitor for Magic the Gathering. But it was based on the Mutant Chronicles universe, which was a tabletop pen and paper RPG that was arguably a competitor for something like Dungeons and Dragons. And uh, it came out – oh, man. I just know it came out right before the game Doom did. So I do have some sort of uh, credit to say that my demons aren't ripping off anything from the Doom franchise. Uh, so it's like – I believe it's a – Oh, I'm going to get this wrong, but late 80s, early 90s, it, it came out uh, around the same time as something like Warhammer 40K. And a lot of people who recognize Mutant Chronicles sometimes compare it to Warhammer as well because they were kind of comp- competitors coming up at the same time. Yeah, it's got that same uh, art style, too. I, I like to describe it as like it's one of those where it's just like the jackedest of dudes and they're firing <laughs> guns and the guns are firing 17 bullets at once, which doesn't make sense, but it doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't. I mean, the guns weigh like 10 times more than they do, but their arms are big enough to hold them up. <laughs> Good on you. Somebody needs to bring some competition to the big jack dudes, big muscle boy market. <laughs> um, Warhammer, they got a stranglehold, and we need the grassroots movement to, to bring them down. Well, yeah, and you were telling me at uh, PAX South that it's a specific guy, uh, his art style, that you have access to for this this game, right? Yeah, so the famous artist from the Mutant Chronicles world was Paul Bonner. Uh, I don't know for sure how early it was in his career, but I know it was fairly early. And he did all these hand-painted, beautiful uh, pieces that became the covers of all the Mutant Chronicles books. And then each artwork was – each painting was designed to have you know, 12 characters and backgrounds. It's highly detailed. So when we – when they made the card game, we were able to get uh, tons of cards from every painting that he made. And he went on to do uh, a lot of – various art throughout his career he inspired a lot of artists and now from what i understand he loves drawing uh trolls or gnomes uh cave cave dwelling creatures or his his thing these days but we're trying to bring him back if uh, we have some success with doom trooper to do some new art for us because he's still very talented yeah it's funny because i was looking him up when i was writing the uh, the article for my, my pack south report and it was like all of his current art when you look it up is just like cave trolls like eating horses <laughs> and stuff yeah, no, he's he's passionate. Uh, and I always like so I always like to tell this the story. My my favorite artist is uh, I, I'm going to butcher his name, uh, Joe Madera or Joe Mad. Mm-hmm. And 
I met him uh, when he was promoting Battle Chasers, and I asked him if he would ever let me pay him to make a card for Doom Trooper because it would it would be an honor. So just in case he hears this, still offer on the table. Uh, and I I was telling him that we had this artist named Paul Bonner, and he interrupted me. And I his quote was, uh, "You don't have to tell me who Paul Bonner is. I go to the Church of Paul Bonner." And I'll never forget that because here is like my favorite comic book artist or my favorite artist in general. And he loves Paul Bonner, which is the artist I get to presumably work with for the next years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, Joe Matt is uh, the, also the, the artist behind Darksiders and um, yes. he was the Battle Chasers game. So if you need a, like an idea of what his art looks like, it's also huge dudes with lots of <laughs> yeah i never even considered that before i talked to him and then after he said that i was like oh i guess that makes a lot of sense <laughs> yeah and that's the thing is i think that a lot of people when they're uh, looking at doom trooper will first notice the art because it's, it's very like it's a very visually like distinct universe this is you know like i said the back in the time where it was just like jacked dudes firing 400 shots at once and it doesn't really matter but like there was also a time where like uh, every everything was hyper future, but also medieval in a sense. You know, yeah. Uh, I think they called it horror techno fantasy. So there's a lot of like the Imperial Corporation, which is one of the main factions, uh, very like Braveheart influenced. But they're all using giant swords and face paint, and uh, I mean they have guns guys as well. But like their main uh, attack is like medieval hand to hand classic. Uh, can't think of the word not medieval uh, i guess medieval is the right word mm-hmm. but the hand-to-hand yeah. hand, hand, giant sword shields that kind of thing yeah, yeah. Melee, melee weapons yeah it's it's yeah. like it's but even if they have these like giant guns like you it's like it's it's like jesse ventura from the predator right like their gun is like a giant wieldy thing <laughs> yeah wieldy unwieldy wieldy would be smaller i mean <laughs> really we should just have all war like that just people carrying like little mini guns and swords because why not Fuck it. <laughs> um, so tired, yeah, but, tired of these cowardly drone operators killing people with uh, you know, a laptop from their mom's basement. Shameful. I am constantly ranting about this to you, as you will confirm. <laughs> yeah, like in, like our tanks only have one turret. That's 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 weak shit, dude. You need like seven turrets on your tank. Each of those needs to have three laser guns on it. Yeah. That's exactly what I'm looking for. Um, oh. I'm in, I'm into it. I, if I remember correctly, the the Mutant Chronicles Doom Trooper world, uh, they took the nuclear codes and uh, they tattooed it on the base of a bunch of human skulls, and then they uh, hid them all across the galaxy so that they couldn't use the nukes anymore. Maybe that's what led them to go back to the melee weapons for a while. What is, what is the actual like plot of Doom Trooper though? Um. The, the wow, man! The plot of Doom Trooper is tricky because it kind of uh, encompasses all of the Mutant Chronicles timeline. So we kind of take some liberties with what factions are allowed to be in the game and fighting each other, or what characters can fight each other. The um, Mutant Chronicles story, though, was that we all destroyed Earth. Uh, well, but we destroyed Earth with global warming and pollution and war and all that stuff. So the governments all collapsed and everybody sided with uh, one of the five major mega corporations. And the mega corporations went out into space and started colonizing the solar system so that uh, everyone's allegiances had a home base or whatnot. And there's a lot of corporate warfare and, uh, I don't know, mystique. Uh, but one of the corporations, the Imperial ones, they went way, uh, the Imperial Corporation went too far out to a uh, fictional 10th planet past Pluto. 
And they found, of course, a ancient stone tablet they're not supposed to touch, and they touched it anyway. And they unleashed uh, the demonic horde of the Dark Legion on humanity. Yeah. And, uh, Hate it when that happens. Yeah, you know, I mean, it says don't touch, but it could be valuable, so you might as well pick it up anyway. And then the uh, the mystical brotherhood are like the religious people, except they have swords and chainsaws and bayonets. And they kind of dedicate their life and their craft to eradicating the Dark Legion. Yeah, so there's there's the uh, there's a bunch of different factions. I mean, I think in the card game right now you have seven factions, or is it nine? Oh, geez. So right now with the card game, there are five mega corporations plus one apostle of the Dark Legion and the Brotherhood. Right. So we have seven, not counting cartel, which is kind of a general catch-all that can go in any of the uh, corporate decks. Right, but there are... then there's the cartel, which are generic cards, but then there's also the base set generic cards. Yes, uh, it's, a, it's a little complicated, and we've been trying to simplify it as we patch stuff in, because there are, there are base cards that can go in any deck, then there are cartel that can go in any corporate, and there are technically generic Dark Legion that could go in any Apostle decks. But we only have one Apostle in for the base set, because the classic uh, pa- paper version of Doom Trooper didn't have enough cards to really do all five of the Dark Apostles as a full playset. Was that later added in expansions or what? Uh, no, even counting like all of the cards, they only had, I don't know, a handful of three of the Apostles. And then one of the Apostles might have almost a text word, and then the fifth Apostle had tons of yeah, see, this is kind of where I wanted to, and this is naturally progressing into what you want to do with the game, like the digitization of the card game. So um, this is a digitized version of the classic card game, but with significant changes to it. Yeah, we we actually met up with the original designer. His name's Brian Winter. Uh, we spent a weekend in his basement, and we said, hey, you know, it's been 20 years. What do you want to change? And he was like, oh, my God, so much. So much we've learned from all these other card games that have come out and by playing the classic game. So we went through all about 1,200 cards, and we came up with what we thought would be a nice balanced base set for all of the the core seven factions. And then we left him uh, in Wisconsin, and he did a little more work and finalized everything, and he sent us a spreadsheet of the final version of what we chose. And we made some some rules changes. Like in the classic game, uh, the Brotherhood was, you know, um, if you can't attack the Brotherhood, but your opponent plays Brotherhood, how do you how do you fight right. it? You would have so we had to get rid of those. So it's kind of a free for all. Uh, still, only one faction per deck, but we'll probably have special modes where you can mix and match eventually, just to har- uh, harken back to the old game. Right, and, and especially if you expand into the uh, uh, the ideas of like the dark uh, allegiance or whatever the apostles. There we go. Um, then you can kind of like have some fun with creating cards that can go into any of those sets, and then creating sub sub deck types and things like that. Yeah, and we want to do special modes like every week or every two weeks or something where people can uh, be forced to to make new decks with new rules and that kind of thing just to keep it fresh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, so with the the seven factions though, uh, you know, like you kind of broke it down as the five mega corporations, the Brotherhood, and then the the bad guys. But e- even those five corporations are all very like flavorfully dis- like very distinct from each other. Yeah. Um... So the capital corporation is kind of like the gung-ho Americans when they focus more on, say, airstrikes and big guns. Uh, Imperial, like I said, is kind of the Braveheart-style dudes. The Mishima guys are the Japanese-influenced samurai uh, and assassins. The Cybertronic are kind of part machine, part human. 
uh, which sets them apart from all the other ones. Uh, they're actually a, quite a unique corporation in the lore as well. And Bauhaus is, uh, I guess, kind of German infantry, uh, a lot of armor, a lot of organization, a lot of money. And each one in the lore kind of follows that stuff. So when they designed the original Doom Trooper game, they tried to make sure that the cards followed those themes uh, a little bit themselves. And even the the Dark Legion is unique, whereas uh, Algaroth is kind of focused on uh, the one that's in the game now is kind of focused on war and guns, whereas someone like uh, Demnogonus is kind of, or I guess Semi is a good one. Um, he's the Lord of Spite. And if you think of like, we, we spend a lot of time thinking like what kind of cards we could put in that would have a theme of spite. Uh, manipulation, maybe uh, things that would kind of anger your opponent, but each of the dark apostles kind of have their own. Uh, I, mean, I can't think of the word. I think it's too late for me today. Uh, <laughs> but like a, just a theme that sets them apart from the other ones. Uh, so I look forward to adding them all in, especially as the game engine progresses, so that we can do some unique things with a digital format that well, makes them stand out. One of the things I notice is that each faction tends to also have its own mechanic. Like the the machina gets the Kai. Uh, the Dark Brotherhood has the uh, the spells, the magic that they can use. That they, mm-hmm. they essentially work as additional modification cards that you can put on your cards, so like extra enchantments, equipment. Yeah, the um, the old game who used to allow you to mix and match, they had a lot of. It was okay for them to have only certain cards that could do those powers. When the new game, we have to figure out ways for all of the factions to have powers, uh, which is I don't know if I've talked to you about that before. Uh, for Cybertronic, for example, was you know as a robot cyborg type people they don't have any unique powers per se power being a type of card like the brotherhood can cast spells Mm -hmm. Uh, so we're working on systems to try to bring them all up to speed so cybertronic is getting a a power system that's called augments where they can kind of augment themselves in real time maybe removing their arm and putting on like a a chain gun that attaches to their arm socket kind of thing if we were talking you know real life uh (laughs) cyborgs Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah but i also noticed that a lot of the uh each faction, regardless of having its own flavor, also has a number of like sub synergies within the faction. So, uh, the Algaroth is the the faction I've played with the the most. So, they're the ones I can speak on the most. Like, you have a couple different strategies. You have the strategy where you can kind of go wide with your undead legionnaires that all buff each other, or you can uh, there's certain units that like you can kind of like evolve by getting kills on them. So you can go different strategies even if the faction has its own flavor. Correct. When when we set the cards up, too, we tried to make sure that each faction kind of had two clear divisions. And then within those divisions, obviously, some other um, strategies will evolve uh, when you start mixing them with g- the general pool. The, um, the Mishima guys, for example, uh, one side of the category are the samurai. And they kind of focus on hand-to-hand combat and the ability to uh, kill guys in one hit. But then on the other side, there is the Hatamoto and they are more shoot-based, uh, kind of assassins, full armor, and they focus more on uh, growing stats. So if you get them out, there are um, guys that will buff all your Hatamoto, and then one of the ultra-rare cards will buff him at the end of every turn as long as the guy remains in play. So their stats grow over time, which become super powerful. Uh, but the clear distinction comes between the samurai being fight and the Hatamoto being shoot. So it is very clear that they can have different play styles. Uh, yeah, yeah, and that's the foundation. the kind of sub. Like I always say, the card games, like you know, the 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 mechanics 
have to be initially satisfying in the sense that I play this game and I like what I'm playing. And then after that, what draws you in is really the, the art and the themes and the feel. And then those lead into further strategy. And that's why so many people get so engrossed in card games. It's like, oh, once you really dig into it, there's so many possibilities. And, and the, the, the moment any card game really gets boring is when you get to the point of the game where there's only like three decks. So if you're playing uh, any kind of like Magic the Gathering meta that's boring is when there's like one card that's dominating everything. And everyone's just playing mm -hmm. that card. And then you're like, I just, I'm, I'm going to not play until this card either rotates out of standard or gets something is printed that counters it. And then we can finally have a fresh meta again. And um, yeah. So to have that in the, that kind of ability and the flexibility and the multiple playstyles, uh, even amongst seven factions, which is already a lot uh, is, is really important. It is. And I, I refer, so I played Hearthstone. I never played Hearthstone until about two years into Doom Trooper because I didn't want it to, you know, it was so big at the time. I didn't want it to man, uh, manipulate my brain into just copying Hearthstone like everyone else was. And I played for a year or so. And there was a problem I always called the Jade Druid problem where there was a brief period in Hearthstone's lore that anybody who listens who played Hearthstone will remember that the Jade Druid, um, decks were so overpowered in one of the expansions yeah they that if you played the latter it was it was at least four out of five games you'd fight against a jade druid deck and you could make the same deck or you could just quit and those were your only two options and that was one of the main time periods i was really into hearthstone that i just i just walked away i couldn't play it because i was yeah. so angry and yeah, and I think they printed I that card that like deleted the that. one cost cards from your opponent's deck to get rid of Jade Idol. I think something like that is what there was their hand fisted solution. Yeah, and they they removed uh, or they they nerfed like two of the cards that were core in that deck. They didn't really nerf it enough, but it was enough to kind of bring the percentage down like ten percent. So it was getting only slightly better than average win rates. Yeah, and that's the the problem I've always. We can talk about Hearthstone ad nauseum because my problem with Hearthstone has always been you roll a dice. Did you see there's a new card? There's a new Reno Jackson card. Apparently he's a dragon now and <laughs> he's a hero card. And when you play him, he removes all the creatures from the battlefield and his new hero power is that at the beginning of every turn, cast a random spell. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, you bring up RNG. Uh, I had a lot of fun with Hearthstone with RNG. Like when you're, when you're just goofing around and you play one of those cards that cast random spells, they can be really fun. Uh, but they are extremely frowned upon. And I'm trying to to walk that line very carefully with Doom Trooper. Like, I think we have three big, I say big loosely, we have three main RNG-related cards. And all of them are kind of never going to be in the meta. Mm -hmm. And I kind of we kind of did that on purpose. Because digital allows you to do RNG in fun ways that you can't do with a tabletop game. And I want to explore that. But I also don't want people to come in and hate our game because it's pure RNG. So there's some crazy cards that you can play for fun, and maybe you can put them in a, like a troll deck or something. But they're not going to be anything that you're going to play, flip a coin, and maybe you win the game. Yeah, and I think that you're right that RNG is fun. Like I always said, the Hearthstone was when when I stopped playing it, I still liked watching it because it's 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 like a it's like watching poker. It's like woo, crazy yeah. things are happening. And uh, but you know when you're trying to play it competitively, it's it's fucking maddening. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I, I do remember a lot of the older Hearthstone cards that were 
it used to be the fact that their legendary cards weren't based on necessarily power level, but unique mechanics. Like there's a card called yes. uh, Nosdormu, which is a dragon that makes it so that your turns only last 15 seconds, as opposed to, I think, normally of two minutes per turn. I remember that. Yeah. It's so frustrating. <laughs> oh, and, that's, and that's the thing. It's, it's not exactly, I mean, it's a powerful effect, but it's not a necessarily good effect. Right. And that's, that's the, the kind of creativity I like in, in digital card games. But I don't like the ones that are, you know, whenever this, the Yog Saran was one of the cards that when you play this, you play, a, you, you recast uh, every spell you've played this game. Or I can't remember if it was every spell you played this game or a number of spells equal to the number of spells you played this game. It was something ridiculous. Yeah, that that was the main one that killed RNG for a lot of people, I think. Mm hmm. I think the unique the the ultra rare cards being unique is important and using the classic Doomtrooper cards we've kind of fallen into that trap where the ultra rare cards are the best cards and I've been trying to kind of uh pull that back a little bit like some of the ultra rare cards that we have in the game now uh they they're powerful and they have unique abilities and that's not right I I'm I'm working on bringing some of them down to be a lot weaker but make the abilities a lot more unique so that it kind of errs on the side of, you can say, classic Hearthstone, like you were mentioning. Yeah, or brand them with that. You can only have one in your deck brand, which whatever that is. Yeah, we, we're, we're, we're adding that to more cards now, unfortunately. But when we set off like four years ago, uh, my, the, the guy helping me, his name's Steve, he said that he hates that because it's kind of a design cop-out. It's like I made this card too powerful that I can only allow one in a deck. Mm -hmm. And if if you have to do that, you should ideally solve it by redesigning. Mm -hmm. But it turns out that's a lot easier said than done. Well, well, Hearthstone has the system where you can only have one of any legendary in your deck. But Elder Scrolls Legends had a system where some legendaries were uh, you could have three of because three was the maximum in that game. But certain of them you could only have one of. And the only way that you could know was there was a different um, icon around the legendary symbol. I didn't even know that until like maybe three months into playing the game. Oh, man. Yeah, well, you so bring you up... don't want to confuse the player, that's for sure. And you don't want people to open packs and feel like they're, they got fucked for pulling another legendary card that's good that they already have. Right. Well, Hearthstone did a really great job with that, uh, something that we will probably have to borrow with the whole you can only get you can't get a duplicate legendary if you, uh, until you have collected all the other legendaries in the set. That's that, not something they implemented until like a few years in. Right, right. But that that was really nice of them. Uh, and that's kind of the the vibe we want to give players from Doom Trooper because everyone, everyone likes to complain about packs of cards being microtransactions and being horrible. But the truth is, I think everyone, myself included, probably you and probably everyone complaining, we like opening packs. But... Mm -hmm. We also like to complain about it. So I'm not I'm not going to get rid of packs because people complain about them. I'm leaving packs in because I like opening them, and I really believe everyone else does too. Mm -hmm. I think the key is just making sure the packs are fun to open and you don't feel like you're getting nickeled and dimed or cheated by the things that you earn or buy. Yeah, that's always the struggle with mobile games in general. Um, and I, I know that Doom Trooper is currently on a PC client, but I'm, I'm going to use the term mobile games loosely because sure. – uh, I feel like a lot of people consider card games to be of the mobile variety just because of their their business model, which is, you know, the you have to buy, you don't have to buy packs to play. You can grind them out normally, but, you know, buying cards is part of the card game experience. Yeah. I mean, it always was. Even back in the day, you'd 
I'd save my allowance money and go to the comic book store and spend $5 on a pack of cards. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Now you can just spend, you know, a dollar or something and you can get them. It's much better bang for your buck than when I was young. Yeah, no, exactly. And that was the, um, and you always have to figure out a system that's going to make it so that you can recash some value out of it, like disenchanting and hearthstone turning into dust so you can turn into other cards. Um, because one of the things that's okay about, you know, magic gathering is you go buy your pack and then if you get something good, you can resell it and buy more packs. It's the teaching gambling to kids. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I really, I really want to add trading and gifting cards to doom trooper, but it's a, it's, it's, there's a lot of problems with it that can be solved now with something like the blockchain. But then we're talking an engineering problem is I need more time, more money, more whatever to implement you know, a, a blockchain backed cards, but you can't give away. I mean, I tell people this all the time. You can't give away tons of free cards and free packs and let people grind it out and then also let them trade because then your top players will just be guys who make 12 accounts, grind out all the free stuff and trade it to their main. Right. So we have a lot of ideas on how to solve the, that, that problem. Uh, we just, we can't do it right now. We, we are, too many too far in and we have to finish this and get the first version out and then you know we can work on the the future updates with stuff like trading i, I want actually for sure i actually want to take a step back for a second now that we're into this kind of more technical stuff um something sure. you mentioned was that you know some of the benefits of a digital card game so what other things have you added to the game with using the medium of the digital format that you couldn't have before well i mean like you just mentioned crafting is something i've been working on recently uh, being able to destroy cards and create other cards is definitely – it solves the problem of having to go to the comic book store and on Tuesday nights when everyone gathers to do their trading and and hope somebody has the card that you want. Um, the main – I mean these are obvious answers, but the, the main change that makes me happy is being able to find someone to play against. Like as the community grows – I can play at 5 a.m. or 5 p.m. and there's going to be somebody somewhere in the world who wants to play against me. Whereas back in the day, like I said, you had to gather on Tuesday nights with your friends. And now, you know, 20 years later, my friends that used to play Doom Trooper, we live all over the, the country, all over the world. And I can play with them again uh, wherever we are. That is why I started this or why I wanted to start this years ago is just so I could play again with my friends. And I'm hoping other people kind of follow me there. Yeah, um, no, that's the funny thing is that when I first started, uh, like I, I met you at, like I said, PAX South, uh, you sent me a, a key to test the game out for my article. And my, my biggest fear was I was like, I'm going to log in. I'm not going to be able to find anyone to play against. And I found a match pretty quick. I was like, oh, people are playing. Okay, that's good. <laughs> yeah, it's it's still technically a closed beta. Uh, we're trying to get the new tutorial finished so that we can add new new players a lot quicker. We want to make sure that the new player experience doesn't scare them off right away. Right. Uh, but I'm hoping that once we open that door really wide, that we'll get a lot of people that are attracted to the the difference that you see in Doom Trooper versus other other games. Mm-hmm. Um, also, on the terms of uh, digital stuff, creating cards from scratch, like uh, I guess sometimes Magic does it with tokens, but being able to have a card upgrade to another card, or I know in Hearthstone there was uh, oh it was a couple years ago there was a little like female wizard who. Oh, you had to do something with her in a, like five turns in a row, and then eventually she would become this like big demon that could just kill anything on the board. Can't remember her name, but like being able to create these cards out of thin air—that mm-hmm. has always excited me about digital digital games. 
uh, back in the day, you could only do it. You could grab like an old land and use a Sharpie and write something on it. But <laughs> it's a lot more fun to create these these leveling up cards digitally that you couldn't do in physical games. Yeah, and even more basic example in Hearthstone is Polymorph. You know, you just take a creature, turn it into a 1-1 yep. sheep. And that's something you can't... I mean, you can do it in physical cards if you have a sheep token. But, you know, it's harder in a digital game. Like, uh, you right now you have the cartel guard and cartel the two cartel troopers that merge into a better one yes yes i uh those are new cards we added and that was kind of my my thing i like the idea uh because the art of those guys are two guys back to back and we split them into two cards and i was like well it'd be really cool if you played them both and they became that original art with them back to back and that's actually become a pretty popular strategy with some of our testers because the the combo guys is decently powerful especially if you can get them both out on the first turn well, that's the cool thing about the game that I found is that every time you run into a strategy that you think is OP, um, you quickly find that there's a way to beat it. So one of the big changes I know that you've made is you can only attack with one character per turn. Um, and that is a big balancing issue. Uh, that's why it was a balancing thing. So your obvious first idea, once you learn that, is to stack all your things on one guy um, just to make him big and beefy and unkillable. And then you'll get hit with a card that, you know, steals all his weapons. So there's a lot of keys in the game for a lot of the locks. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and it's uh, it's kind of a design nightmare, too. Because in, in the classic game, the, their strategy was to not use any guns. Nobody used guns. They just got certain guys out that were powerful, that could combine with other cards and and kill somebody in one turn. And guns weren't worth it because there were too many cards that could clear out the guns. But we've been trying to make little changes that make guns kind of a requirement again. And we do see a lot more people using guns, which makes us feel good. But all of those those things that you mentioned, you know, sometimes they are overpowered and we have to balance it. And then we have to deal with the, the fallout of people getting angry that we killed their favorite strategy. Uh, but then like a week later, everybody's super excited because new strategies start to emerge. And uh, I knew that was going to be troublesome when I started this project, but balancing a card game uh, is kind of a nightmare, especially with with how many cards we're trying to add and trying to plan for the future. And oh, it's uh, it's going to be my own unique hell for the next six months. But I can think of much worse hells to be in than balancing my favorite card game. Huh. Yeah, no, I feel yeah. That's kind of the nature of card games, though, is that. Oh my god, they destroyed my favorite strategy. I'm so upset. That's like part of being a card gamer, though. You know, is the the crush of, oh my god, my strategy isn't viable anymore, and then relearning a new one. Yep. I mean, I, I learned that there are a lot of people, myself included, back in the day, who love building their own decks. And then there's like me from a few years ago when I have a very limited playtime, who are just going to go online and figure out what the best deck to use is. Mm-hmm. And we're trying to cater to both of those those types of people. Like Magic is really good about giving you decks that are kind of pre-made, uh, Magic Arena, whereas Hearthstone, they kind of encourage you to make your own decks or import them from somewhere else. Yeah. And I feel like Doom, in Doom Trooper, we can do the best of both worlds where we can build, eventually have some sort of like database of public decks built into the game that you can say, oh, let me just take that one. And But for the people who want the pure experience, you always have a great interface for building your own decks. There was a, in, a one digital card game they played recently called Mythgard did something interesting yeah. where it's, you have a deck of the week, which is the either one of them is like a user submitted deck that the developers thought was really cool. And the other one is one that like recently won a tournament and you just get to play with that deck for that week if you want. 
That's interesting. Can you can you play the um, like ranked modes or is it like a casual game? No, you can play the ranked modes with it um, if you want. Right. It's just that you can't modify the deck. Well, you can, right. but you don't get the cards. So you, mm-hmm. if in order to modify the deck, you'd have to have the cards. Interesting. Yeah, we we played around with an idea of having like a uh, card or deck rental system. I don't know if it'll make it in because if we let people like borrow the best decks, it, we might get back to that Jade Druid problem, which yeah. kind of worries me. I mean, I would just say that you would have missions, uh, like bigger missions, that unlock pre-constructed decks and then also have the additional ability to buy pre-constructed decks. Yeah, that's the the purchasing. Whenever you use the word buy, and we're talking like real money buy, we're still trying to figure out the exact approach we want to take. Like we will sell packs for sure, but selling decks, selling single cards, renting cards or decks – we have to be really careful because we don't want the game to be considered pay to win. We don't want it to be pay to win at all. We want it to be a fun experience where everybody is opening packs and building decks. And as soon as you cross that line where the guy with the most money can just buy the best deck, it takes the fun out of it for a lot of people. And uh, we want to be very careful about that. Yeah, most definitely. I, I totally get you there. Um, you know, and now now that we're talking a little bit more about the, the technical side of things, um, a lot of people look at a new card game and they're like, ah, it's another new card game. But one of the interesting things about Doom Trooper is uh, the the actual like technology behind it and what that allows you to do. You want to go into that for a minute? Oh, yeah. Uh, so I am a crazy person and decided for some reason that with very much no budget and raising like $32,000 on Kickstarter – that I was not only going to create a collectible card game from scratch, but I was going to create the engine behind it uh, as well. And uh, a lot of people told me that it wouldn't work, but I'm here now and it's functioning and people are playing it. So I've done something right, uh, probably a few things wrong as well. But I, I, I created my own engine because I wanted to make it easy to create, update, patch, and maintain card games uh because that is my passion and i would like to make more someday uh i i think it'd be really great to make a, a horror theme game but i know i mentioned that to you and the i know the owners of doom trooper own a couple other card games from the 90s that were smaller niche games that we could revive and i thought hearthstone you know every time they patch there's i feel like there's like an hour download i had to download to get just like a nerf to some cards and i figured i had eh, Eight years or so of um, like startup web technology experience outside of games. And I learned a lot. And I thought I could combine some of that stuff with game development and make it very easy to keep uh, updates coming out to the game quicker without having to do those huge downloads. And it seems to have gone pretty well so far. I can, I can patch cards and stats and buffs and nerfs and all that without anything needing to be downloaded on the client. The client will just get that information as soon as it boots up. And that is more like a something like a, an app on your phone would function than a card game that you're used to. But that's because, you know, I'm combining two worlds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that, um, you know, that, that kind of the, the, the fluidity of the tech also allows you to, like, more fluidly add cards, add expansions, etc. Correct, yeah, the... Um, like I added 11 cards this weekend and I think that's the biggest like card patch I've done yet. And it's really as simple as 
flipping a false to a true on a spreadsheet or a database and the cards get turned on automatically. So all the, all the data, all the art, everything that you need is already existing on the client. And I can just set a card to be active or not active if it's troublesome. And that is something that I don't fully understand how other card games have done it, but they never seem to have made it that easy in my experiences. Yeah. No, I mean, that's, and that's the thing is that, um, a lot of times when you're talking about adding cards and these micro expansions and things like that, uh, you have to wait for very large content chunks uh, to, to get new stuff. But especially at this phase of the game, when it's still in development, like things are keep it, it keeps things fresh by they're coming and going pretty quickly. Yeah, and I, I so there's there's three main things. There's the data on the server that I mentioned, which is all of the actual all the things you would consider data, numbers and text, and then there is the game itself which as we move forward in beta, the, the core game, the big download you have to install, it becomes more and more agnostic. It just uh, it, it knows how to start the game and how to play it, but it doesn't know anything about any of the cards. And then the actual art that changes on a card-to-card basis, and as, uh, a bunch of the, any video files, audio files, those are all abstracted into their own individual downloads. So if I need to patch a new card art, I can pre-patch that right now. I mean, during our closed beta, I can pre-patch next week's new card art really quickly. And then when I'm ready uh, to turn the card on, I just flip the switch on the server and they work. I don't have to actually update that main Doom Trooper EXE file. Like that can load any cards. Uh, I just need to patch the art in or pre-patch the art in. So what so, are your plans? I mean, right now you have how many cards in the game? Um, I think we have... We're approaching 200, and we want to get to about 350. Uh, I'm. It looks like we're cutting a chunk of cards uh, to do a expansion pretty quickly after launch. Uh, just that they all have this certain theme. Well, I mean, I'll just say it. They're, they're all vehicles. Mm-hmm. And the idea of tanks and ships and stuff being on the board and being able to in, uh, have guys go in and out of them, if we cut that features, it'll help us get to launch a lot quicker, and then we can just finish those cards up and do a you know, like a 50 to 100 card expansion a couple months after launch. Mm-hmm. And then after that, what is like, how many cards do you like want to put in? What's your plans for expansions after? I mean, I would like to do, I'd love to get to the three, at least three card expansions a year cycle that you see in a lot of games. Uh, but the classic Doom Trooper had about 1200 cards and I'd say 50 or so of the cards that we have now we've created to fill in some gaps. So we will continue to pick cherry pick cards from the classic Doom Trooper uh, that fit some kind of theme for the expansion, as well as creating new cards to make sure that all of the factions and uh, maybe the new Dark Apostles are represented properly. Mm, yeah, that'd be cool to see the, the bad guys proper. <laughs> but I'll, I'll keep it going as long as people keep playing it. You know, as soon as... We have our first like run of success, and and the IP owners and everybody are are happy with with what we're doing. Uh, we can keep going indefinitely as long as people like playing it. So, what kind of reception have you been getting, both from returning fans of the original game and from new players? The old old school fans, um, people who are probably thirty five to fifty years old now, their initial reaction back in the day was excitement with anger that we changed how the cards look. Uh, but most of them who have stuck around and played the digital game, they came around very quickly and they understand that we had to, you know, kind of modernize it a little bit. Uh, but to appease the old fans, we do have the retro variant cards that you'll be able to earn. They're just super rare, but they look almost identical to the, to the classic cards. 
Um, but overall, people who play it, they appreciate it because it's not – like you mentioned Elder Scrolls. Elder Scrolls uh, – correct me if I'm wrong, but every time I played it, it felt like Hearthstone with two lanes. <laughs> and it bummed me out because uh, in a former life, I worked on a Bethesda game and – I know how much power and influence and money they have, and I think they could have done something really unique with the Elder Scrolls franchise there. And I think it was a missed opportunity. Uh, I think something like Gwent, I really appreciate them, you know, not right. copying Hearthstone and doing something new. And uh, I think a lot of people who come in and play Doom Trooper who play those games, they appreciate that we're not like any of them. We are, are a fresh thing. I think as, as you saw when you played it, I referred to it as a strategic squad-based chess game, which is really weird to hear until you play the game and you're like, oh, okay, I have this squad of cards and I can attack once per turn, so it's kind of like chess. Uh, it, 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 it's a different part of your brain. You don't need to play Hearthstone or Doom Trooper. You can play Hearthstone until you get frustrated, and you can switch to play Doom Trooper, and it kind of uh, almost feels refreshing, even though it's still a card game. Yeah, I, w- I will say that um, with a lot of card games, once you get into the very nitty-gritty of it, there's there's tends to be a lot of difference between them. Like, Picking up uh, Elder Scrolls Legends, it's very similar to Hearthstone. Of course, when you get into the high-tier meta, very different games. But for a lot of card gamers, what matters is that initial feel, picking it up. Is this different than things I've played before? And I will say that Doom Trooper picking it up feels very different than things I've played before. Yeah, that's that's important to me because I'm uh, back in the 90s when these games all came out, Magic was just the first one. And everybody wanted some of that card game money. But nobody thought, hey, we should just copy Magic. They all thought, hey, we should hire a game designer and create something new. And I feel like that ambition has been lost a little bit with the digital resurgence. It's a lot of uh, either hire that game developer who made a different card game successful or it's take one of the big dogs and change it a little bit and that'll be successful. Yeah, like, I think almost that's all digital versus- card games now are Hearth clones. Yeah, or Magic clones are like – I mean, I like Eternal uh, from Direwolf, mm-hmm. and it's very much they took the best of Magic and the best of Hearthstone and put it together. So it's they're 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 doing the same thing a little bit, even though they they made a really great product. Unfortunately, I think the best collectible card game other than Doom Trooper was uh, Duelist, and mm-hmm. they just announced that they're shutting down the servers, which is a major bummer. I don't know what happened there, but well-reviewed and played completely different than anything else, had uh, strategy RPG elements if you didn't play it, mm-hmm. and it uh, it just got shut down. So I, I think they moved on to a different project. I think that's why it's getting shut down, is they made something new, if I remember. Yeah, I, the rumor had it they were working on something new, but they they were doing a really good job at maintaining their like weekly events and daily events, and then they sold their publishing rights to Has, Hasbro, no, Namco? Bandai Namco. Mm. And I saw them at one game convention after that. And then the news stopped and the events stopped. And then two years, two years later or so, they shut it down. It was, it was weird that a company took on the publishing and then didn't develop anything else. Well, that's, uh, that's I, really, really common um, with a bigger company like Bandai Namco is that they'll, they'll take on the publishing rights and it's not going to get the returns that they want, especially because a company like that is usually like across multiple channels of branding. Mm-hmm. So they were probably buying Duelist thinking that they could not only sell the digital card game, but also like toys. And they just weren't able to. <laughs> That's funny because I have a Duelist stuffed animal on my floor right here that I got from the first convention that uh, Bandai Namco did with them. They made, they made a really cute stuffed animal. So maybe they were thinking about that direction. Yeah, uh, that's most likely, yeah. 
I think they could have made a lot of money on that game uh, with esports and expansions and just casual players. One of the few games that I wanted to spend money on because I thought the cards and the gameplay was so unique. I was just major, majorly bummed that that it didn't get to get get a chance to flourish like it should. Yeah, and I think that that's that's always the risk when you're buying into a new digital card game or even an older one is that like, what if it just stops all this digital currency that I spent? Not only the digital currency, the time and the emotional investment. Yeah, that's. I mean, like I said, I hope on maintaining Doom Trooper as long as I can, and even if something goes wrong and I can't maintain it anymore, I mean, I'll do everything in my power to to transfer account information to whoever takes over the reins. I mean, I'm not making this to make a billion dollars. I'm making this because I love the card game and I collect it and I've breathed it for 20 years and now I get the rights to work on the franchise. It's super exciting. So I'm a fan as much as any of the people playing it who remember it. And I'm hoping that together we can make a community that sustains itself. And sure, it'll be a business, but uh, it's not just it doesn't just exist to make money like some of some of the other games in the genre. Yeah, no, you're definitely a fan, and that, that's that's obvious just, you know, from seeing the passion you put into the game. Uh, if someone wants to actually play it, how are they going to be able to do that? Uh, so we're, like I said, we're waiting on the new tutorial to really open the doors, but we do have the invites opened up for anyone with uh, an access code and anyone who has a Discord account. If you sign up for our mailing list on the website, you will get an email right away that will have a link to, to sign up. So you you as long as you read the e- the welcome email you can get in right away, uh, or you can just hit us up on Discord or any of our social media and we'll remind you the path to get in. It's just not on the main website until the new tutorial goes live. Before we wrap up, um, I I'm not I unfortunately have not been able to play this, but I have just been blessed with twenty plus minutes of looking at Paul Bonner on Google Images and all of his work. <laughs> Um, I was wondering if you would be willing to uh, give us conceptualize. And so I guess the crux of his work is everything that's cool, regardless of being realistic. If you would be willing to give us a new idea for a Paul Bonner painting that you could have. I'll start with mine. Um, uh, Vikings riding motorcycles, except the motorcycles are flying and instead of like the typical flying motorcycle where they have like, you know, jets or something, uh, they're actually tiny dirigibles <laughs> and, um, they're chasing orcs that are in, uh, auto gyros or something. I don't know. That wow. Sounds good. So if either of you got an original Paul Bonner, uh, inspired idea, I'd love to hear it. Oh my God. I'm just going to have to default to riding dinosaurs. I always think that riding things that aren't meant for riding is, is always cool. I'm going to be real bummed if I come across like it. he's already done. He's already flight. done the Viking dirigible motorcycles. Yeah. He, he has done the riding dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. No doubt. Um, no doubt. Of course. <laughs> I, I mean, mine's really tame. Is uh, he's, He did a lot of really amazing big muscle dudes with giant guns. Uh, but occasionally... He did some really badass women and not just like pure sex appeal women, but like like Valerie Duvall, one of the main characters that, that he painted is just this badass chick. And I want to see more of that. Like I want to see more badass like ninja women and giant bazooka guns and whatever, like kicking ass, because I think he had some really 
huge skills there that only got touched on a little bit back in the back in the early days. I dig it. Actually, now that you mention it, since they are just a bunch of big, huge muscle men with huge guns, what if we had like petite, dainty men with with huge guns? <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, I'm into it. Give me give me his email. And I'll get in touch. <laughs> Unfortunately, I all I have is his Facebook, uh, and he has. He has liked our posts and he has mentioned us. Uh, so he knows that Doom Trooper is back. So the next step is to bribe him out of his troll cave and uh, get him making some dainty dudes with giant bazookas and super muscular women with big swords. And... I'll do my part. I'll blow up his DMs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I would. It would be such an honor to have enough success that I can go to him with a check, however, however big he wants, and be like, hey, man buy buy your paints and get your your canvas and you know no digital stuff we want to see like full painted dirigibles with dainty dudes lots of love <laughs> with big guns of course uh, <laughs> with with big guns all righty well i think that the that about wraps us up so if you want to uh check out uh doom trooper where they, where can they find it uh doomtroopergame.com uh or doomtroopergame on any of the social media you'll be able to, to find it Alrighty, so if you're interested, go ahead and check it out. Sign up for the newsletter. Have a Discord account. You'll be able to jump right in. Uh, there's already, you know, a bunch of cards. So go ahead and give it a shot. And um, awesome, it's a lot of fun. So uh, Justin, I want to thank you for uh, joining us today. Yeah, uh, it was my you, pleasure. For all of you listening at home, uh, don't forget to you know subscribe to us on SoundCloud or iTunes or whatever you're listening on, and don't forget to check out our social media at DreadXP. And uh, also check out our new YouTube series that just launched on uh, the Indie Spotlight that we're do we've been doing. We're coming out with a lot more original content for you guys. So, you know, just keep checking back. we got a lot of cool stuff for you down the pipes. So thank you for joining us today. And uh, bye. Bye. See ya. And that's how we cut. Steven Shutters, who obviously hasn't got anything better to do, uh, wants to know what is my favorite soup. And apparently 333 people are also interested in that particular uh, topic. And I would say it's actually irrelevant, unfortunately, because I don't eat soup. Um, I'm on this crazy all-meat diet that some of you know about, and that doesn't go along very well with soup. All-meat diet. All-meat diet. All-meat diet. All-meat diet. All meat diet.